good. Welcome to the uh, 10 o'clock class, Coffee and Conversate. Have y'all coffeeed and conversated? Yeah. A little bit? That's good. All right. Well, let's have some class here. We uh, This is a good one. Um, I'm pretty excited about this class because this class, uh, it makes a big difference in your life. And it's this is lesson nine. We started it last week, but we the Holy Spirit really had us go a different direction. This is not under law, but under grace. And by Don Crow, he said this, I dreamed about a woman who kept being punished for all the things she did wrong, her sins. A man followed her around, and whenever she would make a mistake, he would shake his head in disgust take off his belt and beat her. If she said a wrong word or did something wrong, he'd punish her. She was limping around trying to smile and have a good attitude, but she kept on doing the things that would get her in trouble. They were not big things, but every little thing that this man saw her doing wrong would get her a beating. It seemed hopeless. She couldn't keep from doing things that got her in trouble. Have you ever felt like that as far as sin goes in your life? It's like, I just can't stop. And, you know, the devil's right there to just make you feel like junk every time you mess up. I remember feeling sorry for her. I wanted to help her get away from the mean man who always beat her, and then I woke up. I started thinking about God's grace, the unearned, undeserved favor and ability of God when the heart is established in grace, we no longer try to earn God's acceptance through our performance or by trying to keep his law in our own strength and ability. We're finally able to get away from the beatings we earned from breaking the law of God. We are rescued by Jesus. This is where we need to live, rescued by Jesus. And this... Ultimately, what it's describing is not only the law, but it's also describing what we would call uh, in America today kind of the uh, spirit of religion that's following you around. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, trying to get you to follow the law. Now, you've got to understand that the law was given for a reason, and a lot in the law was boundaries for us to keep us in the right place. But what we find is who is able to keep the law? Who was able to keep it? Every single one of us has already broken it. And so if we've all already broken the law, there's all already a condemnation of sorts that's trying to get at us, following us around. I remember a while back, uh, the Lord started dealing with me about things, and he said, look, it's not a payment. And I said, and he had to explain to me what he was talking about. But he said, look, when you read your Bible, it's not a payment. You know, you're not, you're not, when you're under the grace of God, you're not in sin because you don't read the Bible. But that doesn't mean that reading the Bible is wrong. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't read the Bible. But you need to understand that reading the Bible by itself is not a payment. It's not a payment to God. There's already been a payment made for everything for you and for your life. And you are never going to pay more than the life of Christ. It's not a payment. 
He said the number of hours that you spend in prayer is not a payment. The number of chapters that you read is not a p- payment. How, how you know, animated you get in worship is not a payment. It's not a payment. Thank goodness, because if, if it was depending on what I just did, I'd be in trouble. It's not a payment. Well, all of a sudden, but see, hasn't religion almost taught us that we need to pay something? And have, haven't you ever felt like, man, I've done all this wrong. I need to do some good right. You know, I need to do some stuff to weigh out what I've done wrong. A lot of us, it, it manifests like this. You're wasting time. You spend all your time, you know, the young years of your life going off and doing the wrong things. And you better start, you, you don't have much time to do some stuff right. You better do it right. That's a payment. That, that's accepting condemnation and accepting the law. And it's constantly beating us with the condemnation of it. And that's of the devil. You see? It's not a payment. Man, when he started saying that to me, even confessions, you know, confessions are, all right, Lord, I'm believing for you. I'm believing for your healing. I'm believing, you know, for finances, for restoration, for anything. And and even that, we can see that as, well, if I let it slip one time and say the wrong thing one time, I might not get it. It then becomes a payment. We do the right things and we keep the law empowered by Christ, like what he said just a second ago. We keep and do the right things because we love Christ. That's our why. It's not a payment. You're never going to do something that's a greater payment than Christ. We are under grace and not the law. Now, and and we'll talk a little bit more about that, the balance of it. I started thinking about God's grace, the unearned. Read this uh, paragraph again unearned, undeserved favor and ability of God. When the heart is established in grace, we no longer try to earn God's acceptance through our performance or by trying to keep his law in our own strength and ability. We are finally able to get away from the beatings we earned from breaking the law of God. We are rescued by Jesus. Think about favor. It means getting someone's approval support or blessing when you want someone's favor what do you do you try to do and say everything that would please them and you do nothing that would displease them it's acting right all the time is that really possible to accomplish to always please somebody even if you're just trying to please one person, are you going to be able to, all of your life, to absolutely, 100% of the time, please that person? No. <laughs> I almost got some hallelujahs with that. that was, yeah, no, you're not going to. It's acting right all the time. Is it really possible to accomplish? Just like defying gravity. You can do it for a little while, but in the end, you will fail. It's stronger than you are. I re- he's saying, I related, and I think we all can. Can we relate to the woman in the dream by trying to do everything right? I felt like when I've tried hard to do everything right but missed one little detail and failed. I thought 
that if only I could make it through the day without messing up, I would have accomplished something. But no, my shortcomings always cause me to be imperfect. I thought that not only had I disappointed my heavenly father, but I would condemn myself and beat myself up. I was self-defeated. I was focused on my abilities and inabilities, never measuring up, never good enough to make the grade. I needed someone to rescue me. God, in his mercy, sent us help. His name was Jesus. God sent him to deliver us from ourselves and from our powerless attempts to fulfill his law. Jesus took the punishment for the law we could not keep so we wouldn't have to die but could go free and have eternal life with him. Jesus gave us, now listen to this very carefully, Jesus gave us the gift of righteousness so that we could be righteous and holy before God the Father and meet all the requirements of the law. We have peace with God through what he did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. We have favor with God, unearned and undeserved. That's grace. And let, me, let me put it to you like this. The gift of righteousness puts you in the place that you are always pleasing to God whether you did it right or not. That truly is what the gift of righteousness is. So even when you miss it, you still carry through Christ a pleasing to God that you're made right with him. In other words, he saw that stuff already in Christ and said, I'm willing to pay the price for when they miss it then. This is a big deal because this gift, uh, man, it's huge. Now, Paul goes on later and he says, look, don't take advantage of this. In other words, don't go out and willfully start doing the wrong things knowing that you're covered. And he says, don't take advantage of it. God forbid that. Matter of fact, if you're actually walking in the fruit of being born again, you're going to start walking in love. You're not going to want to do that. You're going to say, Lord, if you love me like that, let me love you by actually walking in the fruit and now empowered by the one who rescued me. Believe in this, your heart must be settled without a doubt, knowing that he did this because he loves you. Make your heart sound, secure, stable, and firm in his grace. That is, be established without question or doubt that he has given us everything we need to live an abundant life in and through Jesus. If we continue to look at and focus on our shortcomings, mistakes, and sins, instead of Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, our hearts will be sad and powerless to believe we can receive anything from God. Let me say that again. If we continue to look at and focus on our shortcomings, our mistakes, and our sins, instead of focusing on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, our hearts will be sad and powerless to believe we can receive anything from God. Right. See, if we constantly focus on how we're missing it, what's our conscience? where is our conscience going to be? And our conscience plays directly with faith. If our conscience is seared, our faith does not work. So if we're constantly focused on what we're doing wrong instead of what Jesus has done right, when we go to believe God or ask God for something, 
what happens to our faith? It goes away because our conscience says, you're not right. With the gift of righteousness, we can look at that and say, I'm right with God even though I just missed it. Now, I didn't miss it on purpose, but I still missed it. But even in that situation, now I can look to God, and because of his love, I can receive what he has for me. Sin consciousness is one of the biggest killers of the salvation of God. The saving grace in every area of our lives is sin consciousness because our conscience has been uh, seared, it's been broken, it's been messed up because we're constantly paying attention to what we did wrong instead of what Jesus did right. Trust me when I say this, what Jesus did right is bigger than what you have done wrong or are doing wrong. What Jesus has done right is bigger, better, and better than what you have done wrong. If it wasn't, we'd all be in a mess. When we pay attention more to that than what we've done wrong, all of a sudden the promises of God start to work for us. It is with the heart that we believe and receive his righteousness and grace. Our hearts must be wholly his. That is when we will be fulfilled and at rest. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Now, I want to go real quick uh, to uh, Romans. Excuse me. This is not in the lesson, but I want to go there to Romans chapter 10. In verse 9 and 10. And this is, this is the scripture that we look at when we're born again. So anybody who's born again, this scripture applies to them. Okay? Or anybody who wants to be born again, this scripture can apply to them. So here's the scripture. That if you confess, in other words, speak with your mouth, Jesus as Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then in verse 10, he goes on to explain what happens in that moment. In verse 10, he says this, For with the heart man believes. And what do we believe? We believe that God raised him from the dead. We believe in the resurrection. Remember, we've been talking over the last few weeks about resurrection and the resurrection of God. And do you remember that I said that it was very important that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but that he was risen, right? The risen part is literally what brings us into what? Look here in verse 10. For with the heart man believes, talking about believing in the resurrection, his raising, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So when we believe on Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we confess him as Lord, and we believe that God has raised him from the dead, what does he give to every believer? I mean all of them. Righteousness. So then, this is a gift we're going to see in just a second. This is a gift of righteousness, and can that gift of righteousness be taken away from you? 
No, not by the devil, not by any other person. You, you may can give that gift of righteousness away, but we're not even, that's a whole nother lesson, okay? But that, we're talking about handing over salvation and everything, that's a bad deal. And, and nobody I know has done that, all right? But it cannot be taken from you. It's sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's sealed. So when the devil comes and tries to make you very aware of your unrighteousness, he's telling you a lie. And all of a sudden, when he makes you feel bad about all that stuff, he's telling you a lie. Every person that's born again has the gift of righteousness. So what we're talking about in that dream where the man was following the woman and beating her, basically what we've determined is beating her with condemnation and a self-righteousness instead of the righteousness of, of Christ, that is completely a lie, never had to happen. All it needed was the woman to stand up and say, no, I'm righteous. I have the righteousness of God. It's right. the word. Right. So let's look at this. How was grace defined in this lesson? It was defined as the unearned and undeserved favor and ability of God. In other words, could you earn it? Did you deserve it? No. It wasn't given because you earned it or deserved it. It was given when you couldn't earn it, when you couldn't deserve it. And it was the favor of God and his ability to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, number two says this, When the heart is established in grace, we no longer try to earn God's acceptance through our what? Through our works, through our performance. That's right. Let's read Hebrews 10, 14. Hebrews 10, 14 says this. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Does that stick out to you? For by one offering, who's offering? Christ. He has perfected for all time. At what point is your righteousness going to be dissolved? At what point is the power of God's sacrifice going to go away from you? No, it's for all time. So the, the question then is this. <clears throat> Don's shortcomings in this lesson always caused him to be imperfect. How are we made perfect according to this verse? By the offering of Jesus. He has perfected us forever. Isn't that relieving? Do you feel like, oh, praise God. <laughs> Thank goodness. He's already handled your stuff. Right. That's what the whole plan was, right. to handle your stuff. Some of us got more stuff than others. I said, you know, he handled it all. I get it. I used to have a whole bunch of stuff. I still got some stuff, but he's handled it. Right. Amen? Isn't that good news? Yeah. Let's read Romans 5.17.
For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So Jesus gave us the what of righteousness? The gift so we could be righteous and holy before God the Father and meet all the requirements of the law. All right, um, does anybody have something like a gift with them right now that somebody's given them? Anybody have a gift? A gift? An, all right, that, that'll work, Miss Patsy. So this is a gift, right? The Bible was, was the case, is beautiful too. All right, so let's pretend uh, just for a second. We don't want to go too far with this. Let's pretend I'm playing the role of the devil, okay? And uh, like I said, we don't want to go too far with this. But all right, so let's say the devil comes up to you and he tries to take this away from you. Oh, you, you say yeah. yeah. Are you going to let him do it? No. You're going to stand up to it, right? Well, if he's given, if God's given us the gift of righteousness, when he comes in our life and says, look at what you did this morning. What is he doing? He's trying to steal a gift, right? And so why have we been allowing it? I can tell you why. Because we haven't known these things about God. We haven't known what's happened. So when the devil comes up and he starts trying to beat us with condemnation, he's trying to strip from us a gift. Now, if he walked right in here and he tried to steal anything that you could see... Anything that was tangible in your life that you could see, try, you'd be like, you better get back. This is mine, right? This is a gift, you know? I, all right, so I wore this watch on purpose today. This is the gift that the church gave to me for the ordination service just, you know, a month or so ago. I'm telling you what, you'd come try to take that gift, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Why? Because this is special to me. How special should the gift of righteousness be to us that made us perfect for all time? It's a gift from the Father himself. God the Father who loves you with an everlasting love, he, he, he took righteousness, he unboxed it, released it into your life, and it can't be taken away from you unless you give it over, unless you hand it. So when he comes and he tells you just how wrong you are and everything you've done wrong and all your shortcomings and everything else, well, we knew that in the beginning. We knew we weren't going to get it right in the first place. That shouldn't surprise us that he's going to try and be what the Bible says, the accuser of the brethren and pull, pour it up. Here's the thing. He can accuse all day long. Blood of Jesus done covered it. And, and besides all that, I have an advocate at the right hand of the Father speaking into the ear of the Father for me. His name is Jesus Christ. He's my advocate saying, yeah, they did do that, but guess what? My blood covered it. My blood's stronger than what they did. We knew that from the beginning. Cancel out that. He's righteous. They're righteous. She's righteous. Preach it. Isaiah. 26.3 Isaiah 26.3 says The steadfast of mind thou wilt keep in perfect peace. 
If we continue to look at and focus on our shortcomings, mistakes, and sins, instead of the Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, our hearts will be sad and powerless to believe we can receive anything from God. What must we keep our minds stayed on? Our mind must be stayed on him. Our mind must be stayed on the Lord and what he's done for us. Not what we've done wrong. What he's done for us. On him, his goodness, his love. And when we keep our mind stayed on him, all of a sudden when the devil comes and tries to steal something from us, we recognize it because it's contrary to what we've been keeping our mind stayed on. We have a mind set on Christ and his love and how he has poured that out. And when the devil comes and brings something that's contrary, it cuts against the grain of who we are because our mind is set on him. We have a mindset of Christ. And when it says, it says that we have perfect peace. How many people want perfect peace in your head? Then let's keep our minds stayed on him. Ephesians 3, 17. Ephesians 3, 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Our hearts must be wholly his, uh, whole, not half, but whole. That is, when we will be uh, fulfilled and at rest. Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. He may dwell in our hearts. Our mind, where does Christ need to be? In our minds and in our hearts. We need to keep him there. He's on our mind. He's in our heart. This is how we beat back the devil when he comes and tries to steal righteousness. You getting something out of this? Yeah, amen. Yeah. I was reading over this and I went, ooh-wee, I like this. Romans 4, 5. Romans 4, 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. You see this? The one who doesn't work and doesn't try to perform to get it. It doesn't mean they don't do good things. It just means they're not trying to get there by their own work but believes in him, believes in Jesus, who justifies the ungodly, who gives righteousness to the ungodly. His faith, his belief, is credited as righteousness. In other words, when I go, I had a situation uh, one time where I had uh, messed up, and I was sitting there, and I was feeling pretty bad about messing up. And the devil, of course, he was like that man, and I was the woman, and he was beating the mess out of me with condemnation like in his dream. And man, he was just beating me up. And the Lord said, come boldly before the throne of grace. And I was hesitant to go in front of God because I was scared of what he might do. But what I finally came to the conclusion was he was trying to get me to step out by faith 
into the grace that he had already given me and put on the righteousness of God. And when I stepped in faith to believe you, Lord, I believe you, you're not going to beat me down. You're not going to just kill me. You want to help me, which is what it says at the end of Hebrews chapter 4. My faith in that moment was credited to me as righteousness. It wasn't that I didn't do something wrong. It's that I looked at the promise of God and I didn't throw it away. I I went into his righteousness and into his grace by faith. And I received that as a gift. Is salvation a reward to be earned or a free gift of God's grace? A free gift. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by the transgression of one death reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Righteousness, right standing with God, is a gift. Do you have to work for a gift? Do you have to work for a gift? No. Then why have we been trying? See, there's a big difference when we do right because we're trying to earn something, we're trying to make a payment, versus we do right because, Lord, I love you. I just love you. It's a big difference there. Which one would you rather have? And would you, parents in particular, would you rather have your your kids shuffling around trying to do all the stuff and get stuff ready in the house because they want to go out that night or they want a sucker or they want something and then then you know it's like they're like i did all this will you give me something doesn't that kind of take away from your love as a parent but yet your your desire is just to give to them in the first place if you have proper love and isn't it much better that you just give out of love and they just shuffle around and they do those things because they love you which, which scenario is better? One is the spirit of religion, and one is the gift of righteousness and love. One has love going back and forth, and one has payments and legalities. And it's, not, it's a business arrangement, not a fellowship. Mm, that's good stuff. How do you obtain a gift? Thank you. (laughs) Simply by reaching out and taking it. You just receive it. This is the question. Do you believe that you serve a good God? Do you believe that you serve a good God? Then do you think he's going, eh? I mean, is he like the old guy with the fishing pole and the dollar only? Oh, not this time, not this time. You know, the commercial. Nope, oh, you missed it that time. People are... Reaching for it. You think God's like that? We felt like that. You know why? Because we've tried to obtain it by works and not by faith. But God's not that way. His word tells us that he will not withhold any good thing. That's his heart. So his heart is, let me just give, give, give to you. But our working for righteousness and working for grace literally puts the hand up and says, oh, no, I got this. Oh, you ain't got this. Better than God can get this, ever. 
It's much better to say, I'm doing this because I love you. If you want to pour out something on me, Lord, pour it out. And I'll believe you for what you have. But, hey, let's just get this cycle of love going between us. I'll love you. You love me. And we'll all be fine. I I went to Barney for just a second. (laughs) How do you obtain a gift? By simply reaching out and taking it. Read Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the free gift of God's grace in this verse? Eternal life instead of eternal death. Eternal freedom instead of eternal condemnation. Eternal eternal freedom instead of eternal bondage. Eternal receiving instead of eternal uh, working. This is, and it's not that we don't do work. We do work, but we do it in the name of love, not in the name of a payment. Read Titus three five. Oh, Titus, it'll be interesting. It's back here somewhere. It's in Revelation. Whoop. Oh, snap, I found it. <laughs> Titus 3, 5. It's uh, right after Timothy. Right in front of Hebrews. Philemon. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, but according to his mercy. How many of your good works and deeds contribute to your salvation? Zero. Praise God, because if it did, I'd be in trouble. And, and you with me. Isn't it good stuff that that doesn't affect it? Romans 6.14. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Explain in your own words what it means to be under God's grace. So just take a second and just think, what does it mean that I'm under God's grace? After everything you've heard this morning, what does it mean? And Don says it like this, we are not getting what our sins deserve, but rather we are getting God's best through Christ. We're getting righteousness, acceptance, forgiveness, they're ours, all as a gift of God's mercy. 11, Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If God's blessings are given to us by grace, they are not by our what? By our works. They're not by our works. Romans 3.24. 
being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Explain in your own words the meaning of this verse, and I'll just read you his. Righteousness or justification is a free gift of God's grace given to the believer because of Christ's redeeming work on the cross. And lastly, Ephesians 1 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now listen to this. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness of our sins was according to what? The riches of God's grace. The riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. That's what made it. That's what made it possible. If, if you're trying to go and do it in your own works, you're trying to take it away from the riches of his grace. You're trying to do something better. In other words, what you're saying in effect is, I think my riches are greater than God's riches. At least that's what's being played out in your life in that manner. That's never going to be. Why would we try to put something up as a substitute for the things of the Lord? But that's what we do when we try to do it by works instead of trying to do it by love. Amen. We are not under our works. We're not under condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Period. Ever. 2 Corinthians 5.21 But we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Through Christ, we've been made right with him. This is who we are. And we have all forgiveness, all of his love, all of his riches, all of his gifts, all of salvation, healing, deliverance, restoration, protection, eternal life. All of those pieces are made manifest for you now when you receive them by grace. Not by your works, but as a gift by faith. All of those are ready right now. Can you see how damaging it is for us if we try to walk that out and do it ourselves? Because what we do is we step out of all the promises of God and step into only what we can earn, which isn't that much. Matter of fact, what we earn and what we deserve, we don't want. We want what he earned and what he deserved, and we do that by stepping by faith into it, and then all of a sudden everything he has becomes ours. That's where we want to live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for your righteousness and for your grace, and we praise you and we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your free gift of salvation, of righteousness, of grace. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. And, Lord, we just love you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just say this with me. Just pray this. Say, Father, right now, I just put down my works, and by faith, I receive the gift of righteousness, and in it, the riches of your grace in every area of my life. 
And I go to do good works by your love and empowered by you not to pay something. Not to buy something, but because I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You receive that freedom? Amen. Praise God. Have a good one. We'll see you.